What's up guys and girls, it's Bobby. Wanted to take a minute and talk to you guys about our sponsor, Paragon Recovery. Uh, they are a great supplement company that we stand behind. Uh, they uh, provide a lot of recovery supplements. Um, I'm a huge fan of their night gain supplement. It's improved my sleep drastically and, and their flame off supplement. Their anti-inflammatory supplement has been great for me. Have my body feel better uh, when I'm training pretty intensely and doing multiple sessions a day. Uh, use the code Cronus15 for an additional 15% off uh, of your order. And then if you're military or first responder, hit them up directly for an additional discount. And another thing, I'm going to give a quick shout out to is Anivium Athletics and Marcus Domingue. Uh, if you check out our website under our Cronus Partner section, uh, we have a section about his gym. CrossFit Invinium slash Invinium Athletics. Uh, Marcus was on a podcast about a couple weeks ago, and he's a he's a great dude, and he's someone that we want to highlight uh, as a uh, veteran that is still getting after his goals and kind of earning it and being somebody every day. Uh, one thing that we wish that we could do is more personal coaching and one-on-one coaching, um, but neither Sean or, or I have really the time uh, to give you guys the proper coaching and the proper one-on-one attention that you need. Marcus, on the other hand, has the ability. Uh, he is a CrossFit coach uh, and has been in the game for a long time. So if you guys are looking for like a one-on-one coaching or some further uh, mentorship, uh, hit up Marcus for some additional, uh, just to see what uh, he offers. Uh, so in this podcast, uh, I sit down and talk about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, I kind of give you guys a once-over quick summary of what uh, he uh, James talks about in his book about how to create good habits and to uh, kind of stop doing bad ones. Um, it's just like I said, it's a quick once-over summary uh, with some highlights at the end where I talk about things that I think are very important for things that you can do to help create good habits and to stop bad ones. Uh, it's a little bit of a drier podcast in terms of it's a lot more of me uh, kind of summarizing and reading, uh, not reading, but kind of talking about the book. And I don't offer as much of my own reflection or my own uh, analysis I do in my other podcasts. But I do think this is a pretty good podcast in terms of uh, it gives you guys some insight into how to create good habits and how to stop bad ones, and then kind of opens up the uh, opportunity for you guys to do some self-reflection and to see what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, and things that you can improve uh, in terms of creating good habits. So without further ado, guys, I'll let you guys get into it. What's up, guys and girls? Bobby wanted to take a minute and talk to you guys about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. So a little context about this book. Uh, I actually started listening to this audiobook. Um, for those that don't know, I have a skier in my living room. And uh, in the mornings, I'll do my cardio and intervals in the mornings. Uh, so typically, I'll listen to a podcast or an audiobook. And uh, about two weeks ago, I started listening to Atomic Habits uh, on audiobook. Uh, and really enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good book that kind of talks a lot about uh, how to create successful habits and how to stop bad habits. 
Uh, it was pretty interesting to listen to, but also kind of interesting because as a fairly successful person myself, I kind of noticed that I was already doing a lot of these techniques in terms of building good habits and uh, stopping bad ones. So it was kind of, um, it was uh, illustrating to me how I already started, uh, I already did some of these habits or implemented some of these habit techniques. Uh, so it was kind of cool just to see that uh, someone already thought about these and wrote about them. But anyway, so what I want to do is just kind of talk to you guys about Atomic Habits, the book, kind of summarize the book, and then give you guys some tips on how to make good habits and to improve yourself. Uh, so without, without further ado, let's uh, kind of hop into it. So overall, I thought Atomic Habits was a very well-written book, uh, at least an audiobook, because I didn't read it, but I listened to it. Uh, it was pretty, it was structured very well in terms of giving you an overall summary of habits, and then laying out individual techniques that you can use to improve your habits or um, uh, to decrease the bad ones. Um, he talks a lot about different like systems and states of behavior and lots of the um, a lot of the psychology already uh, out there about uh, behavior and habit change. Uh, so I don't want to get too much into that, but I'll give you some of the. Uh, some of the groundwork that he talks about in terms of uh, goals versus systems and some other ideas. So the first thing he talks about is goals versus systems. And what he means is that um, goals are about the results that you want to achieve, whereas systems are about the processes that lead to these results. Um, he goes on to say that winners and losers have the same goals, uh, which I thought was kind of cool thing or interesting to think about because um, if you think about it, like everybody wants to get rich everybody wants to win everybody wants to lose weight everybody wants to be healthier but what separates people from winners and losers people that achieve these goals and people that don't achieve the goals isn't so much the goals themselves but the systems that they create to achieve these goals so the goals are good for setting the direction but the systems are best for making pro making progress and allowing you to reach your goals um, when you achieve a goal, it's only a momentary change, and only a transient, uh, transient uh, win, I guess. It's not a long-term win or a long-term success because these goals are only transient, and the fact that they're um, only lead to happiness when you meet these goals. So once you meet these goals, these ultimately result in unhappy, long-term unhappiness because it restricts your ability to meet new goals um, and continue long-term process. So thus, the purpose of setting goals is just to win the game, whereas the process of building systems is to continue playing the game and winning the game in the long term. So um, you don't often rise to the level of your goals. In fact, you fall to the level of a system. So if you have a good system in place that allows you to reach your goals, then that's a great way of approaching uh, life. But if you're only driven by goals and by chasing certain goals, um, we talked about this a little bit before in other podcasts, about what happens if you don't reach the goal. Um, are you a failure or are you someone that tries, that still keeps trying to reach your goals or set new goals to reach? So I thought that was a pretty interesting thing about, or a pretty interesting concept of building systems versus setting goals. Um, mostly because goals are just transient, but systems of creating systems uh, in your life to achieve these goals are often lead to long-term 
uh, and better uh, results. The next uh, thing they talks about are the three different layers of behavior change, um, which is like a pyramid effect on uh, kind of ways that you can approach changing. So the first layer, so you imagine like the bottom of the pyramid, the first layer is changing your outcomes. So this is just outcome change. Uh, so this is like changing your results, like losing weight, uh, becoming fitter, passing selection, uh, becoming rich. So most of the goals that we uh, that set that we set are associated with this level of change. So this is the most basic level of change. The second layer uh, and the next rung in the pyramid is changing your processes, and this is uh, concerned with changing your habits and systems. Um, such as implementing a new routine, uh, decluttering your desk, um, making your uh, uh, life easier. Um, so most of the habits are associated with this level. So this is when you change your habits in order to change your goals to, or to meet your goals. And the third and the kind of the type of the tip of the pyramid and the hardest to change is changing your identity. So this is a, this is concerned with changing your beliefs, kind of your your, your worldview, your self-image, and your judgment about yourself and others. So this is like your beliefs, your assumptions, and biases are held at this level. So this is obviously the hardest to change because this calls for changing your identity versus changing a habit or changing your goal. Um, and as a result, uh, changing your identity is going to lead to the uh, most enduring changes and the ability to have um, stronger changes that the kind of trickle down in the habits and outcomes. And he further talks about this by creating identity-based habits. I think I mentioned this before also about creating uh, an identity and creating habits that align with that identity. Um, so as a result, this is like an I am statement. So like I am the type of person that does blank. So uh, this results in an ultimate form of intrinsic motivation with the habit becomes part of your identity. So it's like, instead of saying that I want this, it's very different to say I'm the type of person who is this or who does this. So this is what I talked about, saying I'm the type of person that does hard things or I'm the type of person that chases excellence. I'm the type of person that does the right thing. And with when you create these identities, th you often will create habits that support this identity, and, and habits and behavior that don't fit won't last. So if you have the identity of becoming more physically fit, or saying that I am physically fit, you weren't. You most likely will create habits that support that statement of being physically fit. So as a result, you need to change and shape your identity to to establish uh, this new identity practice. Um, so then, in order to do that, you need to decide the type of person that you want to be, and then prove it to yourself with small wins and small behavior changes. Um, so as a result, uh, you need to let your values, principles, and identity drive the loop rather than your results. So rather than um, creating an outcomes-based identity, we create a principle or value-based identity, uh, where we talk about becoming a type of person rather than a particular outcome. I think it's huge because that's something that we talk about all the time. But not letting our goals drive our outcomes, or not letting our goals drive our um, our decisions, rather than uh, the journey and who we are driving what we want to become. 
So after these uh, three kind of techniques of examining goals, behavior change, and identity-based habits, he goes on to talk about the process of building habits. And within the process of building habits, he talks about the four components of a habit. The first process or the first step is a cue, followed by a craving, followed by the response, and followed by the reward. And then he goes on to define uh, kind of what these things are. So one, the cue is something that you see or something that signals to you that you want a craving or want something or want some kind of behavior change. Second is the craving. And this is linked to the desire to change something or to change your internal state. The response is the actual habit or action that you perform. And the reward is the end goal of every habit. And that's the, uh, the outcome. So um, he, it's kind of interesting that um, when we talk about habits, we don't really, th we're not really um, motivated by the reward. In fact, we're usually motivated by the response of the reward. Um, so he uh, used the example of cigarette. So we don't actually crave the um, the action of smoking the cigarette. We crave the feeling that it provides. Like we don't crave watching TV. We crave the feeling of um, enjoyment or the feeling of uh, being entertained while watching TV. Like we don't crave food. We crave the feeling of being full. So it's kind of interesting that um, it's not the action that we crave, but it's the response to the action that we crave. Um, so as a result, we need to be able to understand that what we are being self-aware of what uh, we're actually craving and then kind of being aware of ways that we can d decrease or uh, accomplish that craving without doing poor or destructive habits. So then he talks about rewards are the end goal of every habit and that the cue is about noticing the reward and the craving is about wanting the reward. And then the response is about obtaining the award, the reward. Um, so that's kind of in the the keystone for this uh, this behavior loop, and that the reward is ultimately what drives um, what drives our habits and our actions. So everything kind of revolves around the rewards behind our actions. So um, the first purpose of the rewards is to satisfy our cravings, and then the second point point of the rewards purpose of the rewards is to teach us what actions are worth remembering in the future and kind of in a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop whereas if something has a positive reward at the end of it we're more likely to repeat the habit but if something has a negative reward or something negative associated with it we're less likely to uh, repeat the uh, action in the future so then if a behavior is insufficient in any of the four steps it won't become a habit. So, if he, for example, if you don't see the cue or have the cue, the habit will never start. If you reduce the craving, you won't have enough motivation to act on the craving. If you make the behavior difficult, you won't be able to do it in terms of the response. And if the reward isn't enough to satisfy your desire, then you won't have a reason to do it again in the future. So, if you don't have the first three steps, a behavior won't occur. And without all four steps, a behavior will not be repeated. So you don't need to be aware of the cue for a habit to happen, but you can notice the opportunity and take action without being conscious to it. 
So a lot of times you can, uh, you're not even aware of the cues that cause actions or habits to occur. Um, you, a lot of these times these are unconscious cues. Uh, for example, like you get hungry, so you uh, eat something, or you're bored and you eat like a snack because you're bored. Um, there's a lot of these are these a lot of these habits are unconscious and that we don't really notice that these cues occur whether they're just in our environments or just there so when people think that they lack motivation to uh, accomplish a habit or change a habit what they really are missing is clarity and that they don't really see or it's not always obvious where it is to take action or what to do um, so as a result people can wait for a long time in their entire lives for their time to be right to make an improvement whereas the right time to do it is always now so as a result you can use uh, declarative statements such that uh, where you'll declare your behavior um, in a certain place and location so what you'll do is say that I will blank at this time in a certain location so I will work out at 10 o'clock at my gym as a result by declaring your intention by creating an intention statement it makes it um, it brings it to your forefront of your mind and makes it so that it's something that you will want to accomplish and another technique that you can do is called habit stacking uh, where you identify a current habit that you do each day and then stack a new behavior on top of that uh, on top of that habit so for example, you say, after blank, I will blank. So like, after I brush my teeth, I will then floss my teeth. Or, after I get home, I will change the gym clothes so that I can go to the gym. And these these uh, habits have to be specific. Um, the more tightly bound the new habit is to a specific cue, the better the odds you'll notice the time it will happen. So this comes back to our, our process of habits of cue craving uh, action and reward, a response reward. So once you have a clear cue, or once you notice these cues and have a defined cue, you're more likely to associate a craving and then a response to this cue. Um, as a result, uh, he goes on to say that disciplined people are, are better at structuring their lives that don't require willpower and self-control. Uh, in other words, what what successful and disciplined people do as they reduce the temptation and reduce the uh, the choices they have to make bad decisions and something that I've noticed that I do myself like uh, at in my in my house in my apartment like I have a very bad habit of mindless eating so as a result when I go shopping for groceries I don't buy like mind like like bad snacks quote-unquote bad snacks I try to buy healthier snacks so that if I do, if I'm tempted to eat mindlessly or snack, I end up snacking on better things. And that's why I don't have ice cream in my place or like any candy or any chips or any like bad snacks. Um, also, uh, I kind of structure my life so that uh, a lot of my daily routine revolves around the gym where I pack my gym bags in the morning or pack it the night before. So all I do in the morning is wake up and grab my bag and go. And then uh, the gym is kind of on my way home from uh, school. So that makes it easier for me to go to the gym because it's on my way home. This doesn't require me to expend extra energy or time to go to the gym.
another thing you can do is to create an environment that that con is conducive to the change. So this is like uh, when I talked about um, with um, like with reducing the uh, snacks in the household, or even uh, turning off the TV or deleting um, like social media uh, apps from my phone. And you want to create environments that are conducive to the to the behavior that you want to induce or to change. Um, so you so that's what uh, one of the he says is a, is a technique to eliminate a bad habit. Is to just reduce exposure to the cue that causes it. Um, so once you remove that cue, uh, the entire habit fades away. So like you're deleting social media apps, removing the food in the house, um, turning the TV off not having a TV remote on the table, it's things that's simple things like that. Um, he also goes on to talk about how uh, uh, temptation bundling and that um, how you can habit stack and then temptation bundle uh, in order to kind of uh, increase the reward associated with a behavior. Uh, so when he talks about temptation, he talks about rewarding yourself with like something that you want to do after you do something you need to do. Uh, so for example, um, if you need to work out, so uh, his, his, so his uh, equation for temptation bundling is after current habit, I will blank habit I need. After blank habit I need, I will blank habit I want. So what he's trying to say with uh, with temptation bundling is to reward yourself for for after stacking a habit. Uh, after starting a new habit, you can reward yourself with something that you want to do. So an example would be like, after um, studying, I will read a book. After reading a book, I will then browse social media. So as a result, um, what you want to do, eventually what happens is that um, you kind of use the uh, temptation or the desire to check social media to kind of reinforce the behavior that you want to change or to improve. So in this case, um, after studying, so that's what you currently do, you study now, and then after studying, I, you want to start reading more. So then you'll read, and then after reading, then you'll browse social media. Another thing would be like, you want to stretch more after working out. So after working out, I will stretch. After stretching, I will then uh, eat food or something like that. Um, so it's just kind of ways that you can reinforce uh, starting new habits. Other techniques that he talks about uh, are to join cultures or to change your environment and associate yourself with people that share similar goals and behaviors. Um, he talks a lot about like group behavior and that once we are unsure of some of how to act, we kind of look to our left and our right and those that we associate with, uh, and see what they do are doing and whether as a model of correct behavior. And we talk about this with, uh, uh, uh joining cultures of excellence. So, like with Sean and I, we joined the Ranger Regiment because we wanted to be surrounded by individuals that were shared the same goals and the same behaviors that we did. Um, so I think that's a huge and very powerful tool to align yourself and to join, kind of join organizations or cultures that share 
uh, similar goals and behaviors. Uh, the next thing he talks about is getting reps in and not worrying about perfect perfecting the reps. Um, you just really need to practice and getting the reps in. Uh, it's not so much that we need to um, be perfect in our behavior, it's just that we need to keep doing it until it becomes a habit. Uh, another thing he talks about is environment design. And that's something that I mentioned with like grocery shopping and not buying any snacks. But he talks about um, inside uh, your apartment or house is to reset the room um, where you put everything back to where it was before after before an action. So like when he says uh, after you watch TV, you put the couches back, put the remote on the TV stand and fold the blanket to make it back to normal. Um, so then furthermore, you can kind of take that further by saying, um, if you watch TV too much, what you do is you unplug the TV after watching it, and that makes it harder for you to start watching again. Or just hiding things from view that make it more, that make it easier for you not to do the action. So it makes it easier for you to uh, build a better habit of not watching TV. Uh, another thing he says is you don't miss twice, and that if you mess up once, it's never the first mistake or the first missing. Uh, the opportunity that ruins you it's a repeated action of spiraling mistakes that occur after you make a first mistake so it's always for it's always easy to after you, s you mess up once to say oh i messed up and then continue messing up so like if you're dieting it's always easy to say i cheated today but it's easier it's better for you if you hop back on the wagon and get back to the diet the next day but if you fall into the, the trap of saying oh i've ruined myself i'm just gonna keep keep cheating because I've already cheated once and that's the that's kind of the um, spiraling negative spiral of uh, poor decision making so uh, finally you want a habit to be enjoyable to uh, do you want to make a habit enjoyable to make it last um, so you need like simple bits of reinforcement so things that kind of show you that it's that you're doing well whether that is like seeing extra money hit your savings account, seeing the results in the mirror, seeing the pounds melt off, or the, seeing your weight change, seeing you eating less food. So it's, um, we want to have um, to create habits with visible uh, changes or something that we can measure uh, that shows us that we're moving in the right direction. So kind of summarize, he talks about, um, to summarize how to create a good habit, he goes, the first thing to make a good habit is to make it obvious. Um, so to do that, you can use your implementation intention, and this is your, your implementation statement of I will blank at time in blank location. So this is like a declarative statement that says that you're going to do something. Uh, to make it obvious, you can also use habit stacking, uh, where you put a new habit after a current habit so after brushing my teeth i will now floss my teeth um, after coming home i will go to the gym etc and the next thing is to design your environment to, in order to make uh, cues of good habits visible and obvious and then cues of bad habits invisible and not obvious so if, if we're, as far as designing your environment this means like putting your gym clothes out uh, and seeing them when you get home, 
putting your uh, your sh running shoes in front of the door. It means putting salad uh, or like vegetables on the countertop. It means putting away like snacks or candy. And this is like creating about uh, kind of enforcing good habits by designing your environment around the good habits. The second way to make a good habit is to make it attractive. So you want to reinforce uh, the habit with some um, with a reward that you want. So this is like a temptation bundling by pairing your action with an action that you want to do with something that you need to do. So this is like, um, I want to browse social media, but I will only do it after I study. Or I want to eat this, I don't know, eat this piece of candy or eat this cheesesteak, but I only will do it after I work out. The next thing to make it more attractive is to join a culture or group where the behavior is normal. Um, so this is like uh, having similar people around you and sharing the same ideas. Uh, the third thing that you can do is to uh, create a motivation ritual, which is when you do something that you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Uh, so this is like um, before you go for a run, you pet your dog. So as a result, uh, you are happy that you pet your dog and then you go for a run, uh, which is something that you don't want to do. The next thing that you can do to create a good habit is to make it easy. In order to make it easy, you can reduce the friction. Uh, so that means um, make it easier to do the habits or reducing the amount of steps in your habits. So this is like um, having healthy food in your, in your fridge so that it's easier for you to cook healthy food instead of going out to eat. You can also prime the environment, uh, so make sh which means to prepare your environment to make future actions easier. Uh, you can master the size of moment, which is optimizing the small choices to deliver outsized impact. You can master the size of moment, which he talks about as optimizing the small choices that deliver outsized impact. So what that means is that you want to um, make small choices that compound and create big results so this is like making the decision to structure your route and your morning routine to make it easier for you to go to the gym um, or um, instead of instead of uh, eating out every night you can make the decision to meal prep on Sundays so that you're uh, don't have the temptation to eat out because you already have food in, in the fridge to eat the next thing is to use the two-minute rule. And he defines the two-minute rule as when you start a new habit, you want to be able to do the habit in two minutes or less. Um, so as a result, once you develop that small habit of two minutes or less, because it makes it a less daunting task. Uh, once you are making the habit of doing the less daunting task, you can then increase the time or increase the, um, the overall habit. So he talks about like uh, when you start working out, the first thing you should do is to make the habit of putting on your workout sh clothes and shoes. And once you have that as a habit, then you can start making an, that expand the habit of getting to the gym. And then once that becomes a habit of getting to the gym, you can then expand the habit into actually working out. Um, so that's kind of what he talks about like, by using a two minute rule is making that small initial investment in the habit and then call it scaling it up to make it a, a uh, part of who you are. The next thing is to automate your habits. 
uh, in which she talks about investing in technologies that lock in future behaviors. And this is like, uh, like setting timers on your phone or creating like um, concrete things that prevent you from doing bad things and enforce good habits. And the fourth thing he talks about creating a good habits to make it satisfying. The first thing is to use reinforcement. So that's he talks about giving immediate rewards when you complete your habit. Um, the second thing is doing uh, make doing nothing enjoyable. Uh, so that when you're avoiding a bad habit, uh, you can design a way to see the benefits of not doing the bad habit. Uh, you can make it, use a habit tracker to see uh, your habits and see what is a good habit and what's a bad habit. And then finally is to never miss twice uh, and that when you forget to do a habit, you get back on track immediately. So just to reiterate, the four things to create a good habit are to one, make it obvious, two, make it attractive, three, make it easy, and four, make it satisfying. And then uh, as a cor corollary to that, he talks about how to break bad habits. The first thing uh, is the o it's kind of the opposite of how to make a good habit. The first thing to break a bad habit is to one, make it invisible. Uh, so this is reducing exposures and removing the cues of the bad habits from your environment, whether that's having snack food out uh, on your countertop, whether that's having the remote in front of the TV, whether that's uh, having like the like beer uh, in your fridge that you can see. It's about making it invisible and reducing the cues. The second thing is to make it unattractive. And by making it unattractive, you need to reframe your mindset and highlight the benefits of avoiding the bad habit or highlight the negative aspects of doing the bad habit. Whether that is um, understanding that s snacking during the day will lead to making you fatter and make you an unhealthier, whether that's um, uh, spending money on um, n needless things makes reduces your ability to save for the future. The third thing he talks about is making it difficult, which is the uh, the opposite of making it easy. So when you make it difficult, you want to increase the friction uh, that causes you to do your bad habit. So like if you want to eat ice cream, um, you put the ice cream like in the back of the freezer, you're going to have to remove everything out of the freezer to get to the ice cream. Uh, or if you want to watch TV, uh, you can unplug the TV and hide the remote. So that in order to watch the TV, you have to plug in the TV and then manually get up and change the change the uh, channels or change what you want to watch. Uh, and finally, to break a bad habit, you need to make it unsatisfying, so that you need to have punishments associated with the behavior. Uh, so this is like getting uh, someone in a, an accountability partner, asking someone to make to hold you accountable, so that if you do this bad habit, you have a penalty. Uh, so like uh, having someone that uh, having someone that is there that holds you accountable. So example, if your goal is to lose like one pound or two pounds by the end of the week, and you don't meet that goal, you have to pay or you have to some have some kind of punishment associated with not meeting that goal. Another thing that you can do is to make it public, where you will. Uh, publicly shame yourself essentially for not meeting your goals or for not accomplishing a habit. Uh, so this is like if you go on online to like an online forum, 
you can like tell people that you want to do this and then if something doesn't happen then you'll do this and kind of shame yourself uh some example that he uses is that one of his author friends uh, has an automatic tweet that goes out every morning at 6 30 that says that i have not woken up at six o'clock as a result um anybody that retweets this will get a five dollar venmo so it's like you have to make the um that if you don't accomplish a habit or if you have a bad habit you need to make the consequences of the habit uh, painful costly and public in order to prevent the habit from continuing so uh, i know i talked a lot a lot in this episode uh, and there's a lot of uh, things i kind of talked about and kind of glanced over and didn't really dig into a lot of the um, underlying uh, behavior changes or underlying um, reasons why he talks about a lot of these techniques um, but there are a lot of things I think this is a good book that um, definitely can help you change some behavior um, I just want to kind of give you guys a quick once over and some some techniques to kind of help and boil down into things that you can implement immediately to making uh, yourself more successful. So kind of the big things that I think, the big takeaways that I got out of this book were to create systems that align with your identity in order to accomplish behaviors and creating identities that, um, that cause you to either increase or decrease certain habits and behaviors so this is like our I am statements, like the I am the type of person that does this in order to create identities and then as a result create habits that support this identity. The next thing uh, that I thought was a big takeaway is habit stacking in terms of uh, creating new habits and stacking them on old habits that you already do. Um, this makes it easier to kind of queue and create cues to do this new habit. Uh, and then another thing is joining the uh, creating or joining cultures that align with your uh, desired behavior and desired habits. Uh, the next thing I thought was interesting was creating or resetting the room and making uh, your environment conducive to certain behaviors and less conducive to negative behaviors. And then uh, those are kind of the big things that I got out of this book. Uh, in terms of techniques of creating good behaviors and reducing bad behaviors. Um, let me know if you guys have any questions or any other uh, comments. Uh, I kind of sped through this because there's a lot of material to cover. Um, so let me know if you have any questions. Uh, hit us up online at kernelspeed.org. Email us at kernelspeed.org. Or, or on Instagram at kernelspeed. Until next time guys. See you guys later.